to fight for what we got Cause you Sunday and this morning we're going to be turning our attention to uh, kids and God talk kids and not only that but like what we can learn from kids. What can we learn from ourselves when we were kids? What did we have then? But we have somehow lost along the way and I think God wants to reveal that to us this morning. Our church, we have a huge heart for kids. We talk about it a lot on the stage. We invest a lot of time, effort, and resources into kids because we know God loves them and we know we do as well. And so um, uh, you're going to hear a lot more about kind of kids. Now, whether you're single, married, dating, have kids, no kids, grandkids, whatever, this all applies to you no matter where you are um, because we all can learn from children. Uh, almost a year ago to the day, my wife was 39 weeks pregnant with our daughter, Ivy, and so she's waddling around the house, very uncomfortable, and so I go, babe, let me take Dex, and let's go, uh, and, and I'll, I'll do a little mandate with my son. So uh, we go to me and Ed's pizza, and Dex is all excited. As soon as we sit down, we order the pizzas, he's talking about the video games, the arcade games that are off to the side, right? And there's like a race car one, and there was a basketball one. I go, okay, son, uh, after dinner, you eat your bites, you eat your big boy bites, and then we'll go and play those. And he's like, awesome, Dad, sounds good. Whole time, while we're eating dinner, he's asking about those games. Whole time. And uh, we finish our dinner. Uh, I go to the cash register and exchange uh, $1 bills, uh, and I get some quarters, and we go to the basketball game first. And he's free, so he can't, like, reach the hoop that far. So he's kind of standing on the, on the machine a little bit, and throwing him in, and it's cute, like, he'd throw it, and then I'd be behind him, making it, and he would think he made it and stuff, and so, boy, fun with this, manager comes up, guy walks up, and he goes, excuse me, sir, sorry, He's, he can't stand on here, uh, it's a liability issue, and I was like, ah, okay, man, I get it, like, that's fair, no problem, okay, son, so you get down, and then he's throwing him from far away now, and then we go to the race car game, it's 50 cents a game, sits in the seat, Gets ready to put the quarters in and he grabs the, the shifter, right? Because I guess he wants to do manual transmission instead of automatic. And so he grabs the shifter and he is ready to rock and roll. So he puts both quarters into that slot, right? We all know that. That same slot that says push to reject. So we put two quarters in, presses the buttons, nothing's happening. So I go, son, don't worry. I know what to do. So I go to the push to reject, push it a few times, no quarters come out. I go, I don't know, son. Let me try another quarter. Puts another quarter in, quarter in, nothing happens. Now we're 75 cents deep, okay? <laughs> we are invested. So I call the guy over, same guy who told us we couldn't stand on the basketball hoop. I go, come on, come here, real quick. And I go, this one's, uh, it, it, it took 75 cents, and he hasn't given us any money back. And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, this one's out of order. Then while my son's sitting in the race car seat, hands on the steering wheel, dude reaches over him, puts a sign on the gate and says, out of order, and then walks away. And my son's like this, and I'm like, uh-uh, you forget anything? And he goes, sorry, walks away. And I'm like, where's my 75 cents? <laughs> so, uh, it sounds like my dex, or my dex, <laughs> my son is like, daddy, what's, 
what, what, what's going on? What do you do? And I go, don't worry, son. Daddy will take care of this. So I walk over to the guy, and I start with the question. I go, after the first 15 minutes of a basketball game, how many are left? He goes, three quarters. And I go, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my 75 cents? And he goes, I'm sorry, you know, we just lease the machines. And I go, they're in your restaurant. He goes, we're not live before me. And I go, they're in your restaurant. And he's like, I'm sorry. He goes, I understand you're frustrated. I go, I don't think you do. I don't think you understand. And I go, and you know what's on when you ask this question? Can I speak to the manager, please? <laughs> then it's all on Donkey Kong, right? So he goes, I am the manager. <laughs> not as good. And so, uh, so he, he tries to explain to me, and I'm just, I, and I'm so bummed, right? Uh, he says, I'm sorry, sir, it's our policy. Now, what happens next, I'm not proud of. Um, I go, come on, son, it's time to go. He goes, why do we have to go, daddy? And as we're walking out, I go, because that man right there, I point at him, he goes, that man right there doesn't like children to have fun. <laughs> and we walk out of that restaurant. <laughs> Your pastor's an extremely flawed individual. Um, no, I realize it was just 75 cents, but if dude would have had an ounce of compassion, if he would have gone back to himself as a child, he would have opened up that register, opened up his own wallet, and gave the 75 cents so this three-year-old boy could play basketball or play race cars. This morning, we're going to go back to our childhood and learn from our younger selves. And actually, we have a lot to learn. Uh, Mark 10, if you ever about to go there, Matthew, Mark, it's the second book of the New Testament. There are things that we knew intuitively as a child, but have lost, we forgot, because we want to get it back. Verse 13 says this, people were bringing little children to Jesus, for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. One of the few times we see Jesus angry. And he's mad at the disciples for preventing children from being blessed by him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. What is it that Jesus sees in children? What? What is he trying to get us to do or be like to be the kind of kingdom people? What does he want us to emulate in kids to be the kingdom person he's called us to be? The disciples in each of us got to be open to this idea that children can be great role models for us. And number one, number one, the first thing I think we can learn from children is honesty. Honesty. They, little kids in particular, have a difficult part Difficult. Uh, they have a great difficulty with trying to be not honest, like they can't do it. In fact, uh, I'll ask Dex all the time, Dex, did you push your sister? He'll say yes. He will not. Doesn't really know how to do that. Is always just not honest. And they'll try to deceive, but before the age of four, they can't really deceive people. There was a study. They deceived children of all ages, and they were shown a simple task about concealing a hidden coin in your hand and trying to ask an adult which coin, which hand has the coin. And what they found was that kids under four are unable 
to deceive the adults because they make it abundantly clear which one is the coin is in. They either do this, pick one, pick one, or they'll do that and double check. They don't, under four, they're incapable of deception. They made it obvious. They couldn't help it. Just innate to, to, to being a child was that innocence of, I want you to guess the right one. I want you to choose right. We see honesty all throughout the scriptures. Often, when I run into people who maybe just find out a pastor, or they're talking about Christian spirituality or prayer or something, um, they have this impression that prayer is like this really formal thing, and you have to be proper. And people all the time will say to me, uh, you know, I'm no good at praying, and God doesn't really want to hear me pray anyway. I've got some things to say to you. And I'm like, no, no, no. Those are the kind of prayers that God wants. He wants our honesty. He already knows how you feel anyway. So you might as well just tell him, right? Rip your heart open and go, God, this is me. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend like, dear Lord Jesus, just, just pray for your thou blessings upon thine life. No. If you're angry, it's okay to express it to God. The Psalms are filled with these Prayers of raw honesty. God, you have pierced me with your arrows. Where are you? You're not living up to your end of the bargain, God. Here I am. I'm drowning here. Where are you? And God never strikes down these psalmists with life. He never goes, ah, you're questioning me? <laughs> Doesn't happen. In fact, the, the biggest complainer and the biggest crier in prayers that we have in the Bible is a guy named David. And you know what God calls him? A man after my own heart. It's about that brutal honesty. So don't pretend in prayer. Don't pretend. Be honest. Get vulnerable for God. He already knows how you're feeling. You might as well just share it. Number two, sing the good in people. For the majority of kids, there's no question that when they say hello to someone else, they just think that that person wants to say hello back to them. And when a child goes up to a stranger and says, look at my new shoes, there's just no question that that stranger could possibly not be interested in his shoes, right? They, they just randomly go up and share about their favorite monster truck or their favorite toy, whatever they're going through. They believe that strangers want to look at their books or their toys or their We view others with suspicion, right? We view strangers through a different lens. What if we were to choose to see what's good in other people? And instead of that negative comment that they made, instead of that mean action that they did to you, what if we were to choose to see what's best in them? You know what? They're doing the best they can. They're trying to provide for their family. They may have had a rough morning. Maybe their kids were misbehaving on the way to the office, and so that's why the person in the office, they threw it down on me. What if we were to choose to see what's best in them? Rather than, they made this comment, and so I'm just going to be angry and bitter toward them all the time. No, I think we can learn from our childish selves. Choose to see what's best in them. to show grace. Number three, depending on someone greater than themselves. Whether you admit it or not, at one point in your life, you were absolutely, 100%, completely dependent on, and your life depended on, someone else taking care of you. 
In the ancient world, children had no status. Back then, a person could literally throw away an unwanted child at birth. There's a famous letter written in 1 BC by a poor laborer to his pregnant wife in Alexandria, advising her to keep the child if it's a boy and to discard the child if it's a girl. Famous letter. Common practice in the ancient world. The unscrupulous would then collect the exposed children, raise them to be gladiators, prostitutes, or perhaps maim them so that they could beg and get more money because they're disfigured. That was the lot in life for exposed children. <coughs> could be thrown away. This was the world that Jesus lived in, a world that didn't have time for kids. And in Matthew 18, 1-4 says this, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, Truly I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The problem with depending on someone greater than yourself is that we think we're pretty good. We want to rely on ourselves. And in this story, these disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. greatest. They're arguing about who's better, who's more. It's, the Greek word here is mizon, and it's a word of comparison. It's often translated as more. Who's more? Who's better? Who's greater? Who's closer to Jesus? Who gets more? Who has more? When they say who's greatest in the kingdom, they're saying who's better in the kingdom? Who's more important? And by the way, this is not just a first century question that the disciples struggle with. It's a 21st century question, right? More. Who's better? We, as a culture, are obsessed with greater, better, more. Just go to the grocery store, you can see it. Big letters. Go to the candy section. Snickers, peanut butter. 25% more peanut butter. Tylenol, extra strength. You can't even find strength anymore, right? You're fine. Regular Tylenol, no extra anything. Doesn't exist. You need extra or maximum. Bogo. I just said there were Bogo meant. <laughs> but I don't want to get one. Why have one when I can have two? More. Then Oreos, double stuff. They have mega stuff. Skin fine. Regular Oreos. <laughs> Who wants that? Is this just a chocolate cookie? No, give me the icing. And the more, the merrier. More. It's better. Verse 2 Jesus called a little child to him. And actually, the, the Greek word here for little child, it's not talking like a 9, 10 year old. This is like a newborn to two, so it's like a toddler. Jesus called alongside himself. A toddler. Imagine what was going through the mind of this. this. This child. And did Jesus know this kid? Like, it doesn't say that the kid is like going, Mom, stranger danger. You know, like, it's almost as if this child had this closeness with Jesus. And Jesus called alongside himself this two year old, and he says, Unless you become like this little child. What was that interaction like? Was the mom of this child friends with Jesus? When, when Jesus draws the attention to this tiny little child in a world where child children are forgotten and have no rights and have no worth, and Jesus draws attention to this, is the mom like, hey, do that little dance. Do that little dance. I was watching. Okay, kids like, 
you know? Also, like, super cute. I don't know what a first century Palestinian child dance looks like, but it's probably something like that. I don't know what's going through the mind of this mom or this child, but I can tell you what wasn't going through the minds of the people as Jesus does this. Man, I'm really bummed that the NASDAQ dropped like three points. Or, I know that the moms are thinking, well, I hope if I took a picture of this, I'll get at least 30 likes on my Instagram. No. If I'm one of the disciples and I'm thinking, arguing about who's the greatest, and then Jesus calls alongside himself this toddler, I'm like, what is he doing? In the ancient world, even today, a child is the most powerless in society. Can't care for itself. Can't work. Can't vote. Can't do anything apart from its parents. It is completely and utterly dependent on someone who is greater than themselves. So should we. Right? We should be completely and utterly dependent on someone greater than ourselves. God. So you've been worked too hard. Rely on yourself. Hold up your bootstraps. I got this. I'll stop this struggle by myself. I don't need anybody else. I can do this. I'll get us out of this debt. I'll get us out of this mess. And some of us just need to drop our pride and, and be dependent upon God. God, I can't do it without you. I need you. I need you. Our dependence should be fully on Him. Last point, and I want to focus in on this. Awe and wonder abound. Awe and wonder abound. Oh, the face of kids when they're just in awe of something. Uh, we took the decks to Disneyland uh, in November. And just, Sarah and I would just be locked in on his face. And like there's talking cars, like the Mater's there, like the McQueen's there. And the face is unbelievable. Awe and wonder abound. For more than 30 years, Gordon McKenzie worked at Hallmark. And he challenged the corporate normalcy of the car company. And he did a lot of creativity workshops, and he often went into elementary schools. And uh, in those elementary schools, Mackenzie would go to the front of the class and ask, how many artists are in the room? And the pattern of responses never varied. In first grade, the entire class would raise their arms and wave like crazy. Every child was an artist. In second grade, about half raised their hands. In third grade, he gets about 10 out of 30 raising their hands. By the time they get to sixth grade, one or two kids would tentatively and self-consciously raise their hand. They consider themselves an artist. Mackenzie said this, from the cradle to the grave, the pressure is on. Be normal. After his research, Mackenzie came to the conclusion, there was a time, perhaps when you were very young, when you had the least a fleeting notion of your own genius and were just wanting and waiting for some authority figure to come along and validate it for you, but none ever came. Wow. What am I trying to say? Would you as a child be proud of you as an adult right now? The person you are. Now your dreams and hopes, like, they change, right? Like I wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was a kid. Like things change. I'm not saying that, but the person who you are, it's your core. Would your child self be proud of it? We need to get back to that dependence, that innocence, that beauty. You know, Chuck E. Cheese is this, where it says, where a kid can be a kid? 
Prodigal church, where an adult can be a kid. <laughs> those dreams, those longings that we had when we were young, can we get back to those? Philippians 4 says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and happy. Think about these things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely. Is there something more pure and lovely than kids? Than children's faces, their innocence, their joy. I want to invite some of our kids up right now. And uh, some of our own uh, little toddlers that Jesus called along himself. And so come on up, guys. And uh, I'm going to interview them a little bit. And uh, come here, guys, come here. And just speak into this. So I'm going to ask you your name and how old you are. Tell everyone. I'm three. And what's your name? Kaden J. And then Kaden, what do you want to be when you get older? A fireman. Oh, give it up for Kaden. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. Um, what, what, what's your favorite game you like to play at home? Um, Monopoly. Oh, wow. I think we can get you into banking or real estate, baby. I'm going to go to the side here. Okay, what's your name? I'm Elena. Okay, and how old are you? <laughs> and then what do you want to be when you get really big? A rainbow girl. Wow, that's a good one. That's a good one. Carmen, say your name and grace for your name. Yep, I said your name. So go ahead. Uh, what's your? How old are you? I'm ten. Okay, and then what do you want to be when you get big? A vet. Ooh, a vet. I like that. Ava, what? How old are you? I am six years old. Okay, don't go see it. Go, go. And then what do you like to do when you get older? I want to be a dancer. Oh, a dancer. I like it. Jesslyn, what about you? How old are you? Jesslyn's three. Aaliyah. And how old are you? Or how old are you, Aaliyah? Four. Okay, four. And what do you want to be when you get A chef. Oh, yeah. Oh, a chef. I like that. <laughs> And then what about you? What's your name? Um, uh, And then what? What's your name? Or what? How old are you? Uh, no, no. You're three. No, his name is no. Like his name is. What do you mean? Um. Hmm. That's good. Okay. Let's go. Two more. Two more. What's your name and grade or age? Ashley, what do you want to be when you get Oh, another vet. We got some helpers here. I love this. Okay. And then last, let's do Narita. Say your age and then what you want to be. Um, 
Oh, I love it, I love it. Yep. One more, okay, sure, this guy. Uh, what's, what's your name in grade? Yes! Okay, that's Yeah. And then, how old are you? Four. What do you want to be when you get big? An ambulance driver. Oh, that's good. Give the kids a round of Wow, guys, that was... You never know what's going to happen when these kids get lights. Okay, good job, Oh, okay, and then... Can you stay right here? Come on. What's your name? noble, if anything is admirable or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Once read a story about a bike race in India. The object of the race was to go the shortest possible distance. So, when the, the, the gun goes off, as best as you can, you try and stay still. The slowest as possible. And then after a certain period of time, whoever had gone the shortest distance, whoever was closest to the starting line, was the winner. Imagine getting in that race. You're ready to go, guns goes off, and as fast as you can, you just start pedaling. Everyone's like way behind you, and you're like, you guys are laying back there. I am winning. You go fast, pedal to the metal. In fact, you're the biggest loser. <laughs> Why? Because you misunderstood how to run the race. In this life, there's a race. But it's not about more. It's not about my son. It's not about who's the greatest. The race in eternity. There are rules. And if you're running this race of life, assuming that whoever acquires the most, whoever ascends the highest, whoever is the greatest, you're running the wrong race. It's about serving others in humility. It's about not power or position, but rather sacrifice, love, a passionate pursuit of God. Maybe we've been doing it wrong all along. Maybe we had it right when we were five. Maybe money isn't the answer. Maybe the intuitions that we had as a young child wanted to be a vet and help animals. I want to be an ambulance driver and help hurting people. You know what's crazy is my wife, she's amazing. She, uh, Whenever we see an ambulance, uh, Sarah has taught Dexter from a young age to pray, uh, just a little short little prayer for wherever the ambulance is going. And so he just says, God, I pray you help those guys. That's what he says. God, I pray you help those guys. And then we don't prompt him about what to see. And he comes up and says he wants to be an ambulance driver. There's something innate in how his mom has, has, has raised him and taught him that he wants to help people. Now it will probably change. 
easily not end up driving an ambulance. But that purity, that innocence, that desire to help people, we can learn from that. So God, I pray in Jesus' name that you open up our eyes to the reality of the race in which we run. That it's not about more. It's about serving. It's not about applying for self, but to giving to others. It's not about being selfish, but being selfless. Spirit, renew in us new dreams. We had dreams when we were young, God. We pray for new dreams, bigger dreams, better dreams, God. Let us dream again. Some of us just stop dreaming. So God, we pray in Jesus' name that we don't stop. God, that we get those back. That we begin to live a different way with new passions, new love. God, I pray that we learn from our children, the children that we see. God, we pray that they grow up and they don't their dreams don't get tainted. God, that that innocence and love and joy that we see in them just continues to shine brightly in their lives. And let it transform us. So let negativity and cynicism fall by the wayside in Jesus' name. And God, we ask for more joy and we focus in our minds on what is uh, admirable, praiseworthy, pure, lovely, excellent. Let us set our mind on those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we close this song together.